Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, we have a horrific uh, homeless crisis you know who's helping the homeless who's looking at the people that are helping the homeless and what sort of protections are being given if people who are in position of power and are dealing with vulnerable people sometimes it will attract people that want to abuse that power that's a fact of life genuine good people simply did not believe this to be true of anthony flynn i'm nicola talent And you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. It was a charity set up to respond to Dublin's homeless crisis and to provide food and shelter to the most vulnerable. But now the inner city helping homeless group is in chaos with allegations of sexual assaults and rapes against founder Anthony Flynn, who died by suicide on August 18th. Since then, two more homeless men have come forward to make complaints to police about attacks they claim they underwent, while threats have been levelled at the alleged victims and the former chairman of the charity. Today, I'm talking to Sunday World Deputy Editor Niall Donald about the fallout of the horrific rape claims which have divided a community and brought into question the vetting process around those who volunteer to work with the homeless. This is Crime World Extra, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Niall, there's a poster up of Anthony Flynn on a prominent building there in the north inner city, a sure sign that there is a divide in this story, in this, you know, what's going on in the background. There are still supporters there for him, despite the allegations that have been made. Yes, uh, probably unusually in these circumstances, um, Anthony Flynn has got a very vocal, uh, strong level of support um, that remains and uh, that has been aggressively, I suppose, putting his side across. I mean, the reality is that Anthony, it's a sad, sad story because Anthony Flynn was a, a guy from the inner city um, who who became a hero to the people there, was, was one of the community there and, you know, appeared to 
to to rise out of it as as somebody who's acting as a savior for what everybody everybody uh, can see on the streets of Dublin is an horrific problem. Um, so he, he Anthony was obviously elected as well as a as a Dublin city councillor. He had huge backing. Um, so there is people that still don't want to hear the allegations. And those allegations are extremely serious. Now, Flynn died on August the 18th. He, he died by suicide. And at that point, he was being investigated by Gardaí uh, in relation to two complaints that had been made against him by homeless men. And they had said that they had been sexually assaulted or raped by him. Um, and he had been suspended from the charity that he founded. Now, what has happened since then? So uh, the allegations came in uh, to Gardaí sometime in May and two men presented themselves. You know, as you would know yourself, it's not a, it wasn't a casual, two guys came in and, and sort of said something over the counter. They would have sat down, taken detailed statement, given detailed statements to Gardaí. And, you know, obviously in the nature of these things, these, those sort of complaints would be investigated, but by all accounts, they were taken extremely seriously. Um, so that led to Gardaí launching an investigation. Um, Anthony Flynn was was questioned, but not arrested. A number of electronic devices were seized, um, which uh, and also some sort some records of of taxis showing the, the the men's movement to and from the the points at which they said they met Anthony Flynn. So this is an ex- extremely serious investigation um you know at the time obviously anthony flynn uh after he passed away uh, i received and probably nearly everybody received a, a or a lot of people received a text saying the men had withdrawn their complaints and said they they weren't true but that was not the case i mean these were serious allegations that were being investigated and who did you receive that text from was that some sort of a well there's been a, a like like all of these things there's been a lot of this has been fought out on, on social media um, that, and this is obviously being put up on social media as well. Um, if you type in Anthony Flynn into t- Twitter, you'll see there's a, a, a cyber, you know, a big cyber debate between supporters of Anthony Flynn, rightly, I suppose, and fairly saying he was never convicted of anything. And another group of people saying, you know, obviously saying these allegations are, are horrific. Obviously, there's different language being used. Um, there was so... Th- these these were some of the things that went on shortly after his death. But the reality is um, that, that these allegations were made um, according to a report drawn up by... Uh, um, David Hall, who was who was uh, the chairman of the the inner city helping the homeless at that stage, Anthony Flynn was asked about this by him, and um, denied that he was being un- under investigation by Gardaí, um, and obviously then when it was clarified, he was suspended. Um, Just to stay on that point for a minute, um, the Gardaí didn't have to inform the. Um, inner city helping homeless that they were investigating Flynn. Had the allegations been made to the charity, the charity would have had to inform the Gardaí, but the same is not the case for the other way around. And I suppose that is partially to do with people's, well, fundamental human rights that claims are made. And, um, you know, 
until somebody is proven guilty. But nonetheless, there's a little bit of a murkiness there with if you are investigating, if the guards are investigating these extremely serious claims against somebody who has access to, continued access to these vulnerable people, why were the charity not informed from the beginning? Well, I mean, it's like obviously if Anthony Flynn had been a, a primary school teacher and there'd been allegations had been made against them, the school would have been informed. But what happens is that the homeless uh, fall between two stools, I suppose. And, you know, that that they're not, the guards, the, you know, people that provide homeless services are not specifically identified as being um, at that at-risk register that, there, that there's this automatic, uh, you know, obviously in a school or in a sports club or somebody dealing with kids in that way, the guards will report it. But this has kind of fallen between two stools because obviously homeless people are generally adults, you know, that they're, they're just not specified. So it's one of these grey areas. And obviously then there is, uh, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of, sort of simplistic things that, oh, well, everybody should be told straight away. But, you know, as you said, people do have rights until, um, you know, until the point of conviction. But that that's what happened. And I suppose it does highlight, uh, you know, in the broader issue, it highlights, like, who's helping the homeless? Who's looking at the people that are helping the homeless? And what sort of protections are being given? And the fact is that, um, you know, we have a... Horrific uh, homeless crisis. You know, we both work in the north inner city, and you can you don't only have to step out the door of that building to see the reality of homelessness in Ireland. And um, over the last few years, what have sprung up have been really well intentioned groups, and um, loads of them. I mean, that is the reality. I think one report said there's eight alone of these types of volunteer groups in in Cork. So it must be, you know, four or five times that in Dublin. These groups are going out and dealing directly with the people that are at the most vulnerable in society. Um, These are people that are generally rough sleepers. um, So they're going out helping feed them, helping maybe get them accommodation for the night. And this is all operating. It's not being operated by the state. um, And, you know, you have to say... one of the reasons these groups exist is because of the chronic failure of the state to get the grips with the problem. But the other the other side of that, well-meaning, you know, great people doing it in their own time at their own expense. But the other side of that is that they're not regulated. Nobody is really uh, monitoring them. Um, there is no, uh, you know, governance or or for these groups. There's certainly would put in place their own their own structures. But ultimately, it, it's created this uh, large group of people interacting with the homeless really without that much oversight. Mm. So it was five days after he was suspended from the charity that he, he took his own life. And that did result in a lot of anger and there was a lot of sort of kickback from that. Um, David Hall, the chairman of the charity, and the guy who issued this report, which kind of gave a bit of clarity really about what was going on in the background, he would later say that he had to step down from his role because his life essentially was under threat. He'd been threatened and he was worried about his safety and his security and he had to step away from the from the role. Such was the amount of, I suppose, emotions that were running 
along this time as 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 Flynn was buried. So I mean, obviously the the the, the tragedy of, of what happened to Anthony Flynn occurred one week after his suspension, and um, and obviously that suspension was viewed by by Anthony Anthony's friends, his supporters, and some within his community as being the catalyst for what happened to him. So there was huge anger. I mean, you can only look at the pictures of the funeral, the comments made at the funeral, um, to see that people, genuine good people, simply did not believe this to be true of Anthony Flynn. I mean, they just did not believe it and continue to do not believe it. And what you have is, although you have people saying, well, there's these formal things, you have a genuine mistrust within the inner city community of the Gardaí, of the operations of, of, I suppose, the people in power. And although, you know, it be, it's become increasingly clear that these were serious allegations, people just didn't believe it. And, you know, you have to remember that this is, Anthony Flynn was a genuine sort of hero for people, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, Niall, since his death and over the past few weeks, two further alleged victims have come forward with similar stories. I mean, it seems to me that all four now currently um, alleged victims have a similar tale to tell. They were being helped by the charity, being housed by the charity or looking for housing from the charity and they were invited over to Flynn's home. They say they were collected in many cases in taxis operating on the inner city helping homeless taxi account, they claim. And they say when they were in the house, I think in particular, one victim has said he was offered a drink and he believes he was drugged. There was something in the drink that he he was then kind of came to or felt effects of drugs anyway after the drink. And when he came to, he was being assaulted. Yeah, so, I mean, you obviously, uh, you know, the newspapers tend to report these allegations in very, uh, you know, matter-of-fact language. You know, that's just the way it is, um, typically. And it, it, it maybe doesn't uh, bring across the, uh, the, 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 the true horror of the claims but one of the the alleged victims uh, spoke on prime time he's obviously anonymized and his voice was disguised but you know his story as he relates it you know is particularly horrific and he 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 you know one of his quotes was he offered me a drink and then I just don't know what happened after the drink I woke up in the middle of the night as well and he came over and yeah he did what he did and I was there Still, when I was alert, it happened all that first night. He sexually molested me. So that's very, and you know, this is a long interview, very, very harrowing. Um, and you do get a sense of, you know, the, the, the vulnerable situation this young man is in, um, facing homelessness, desperately looking for help, um, you know, he, he actually says, I th- speaking of Anthony Flynn, I thought he was a saviour. I thought he was the person who was going to help me out. So it, it really, um, I suppose, that kind of shook up, I think, the, 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 the people. There was a certain narrative changed there after that interview. But obviously, Anthony Flynn's friends and family have remained staunch supporters and, and uh, haven't accepted that these are 
credible allegations. Yeah. So following his death, they are sort of his voice in denial of anything like this. I think that victim said that there was two of them there at the same time. There was a younger, very vulnerable individual as well. Um, presumably, if if the claims that this man has made and others have made, um, there will be investigations will centre around the property where they, they claim this happened. Um, in that case, the guy who spoke on prime time, he was suggesting that he was held over two nights. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really kind of sh- shocking there. He says... You know, we were locked there again and there was a young guy there. And then he says of Anthony Flynn, he hit me. I remember he did hit me. And in the end, I just became submissive and did whatever he wanted me to do. Now, you know, that is obviously a particularly, uh, uh, you know, horrific account um, of, of, of what was alleged. Now, Anthony Flynn was only in his 20s when he set up this group. I think it was formed in November of 2013 as a direct response to the increasing housing crisis in Ireland. Um, In 2014, I actually went out with the group for a night coming up to the Christmas time. I recall there was a couple living homeless on Talbot Street that I used to pass going into work every morning and I was talking to them. Michelle was the girl's name and they were looking for help from them. And it was the year that uh, Jonathan Corrie, a homeless man, had died outside Leinster House. It was a particularly cold winter and there was uproar about the housing, the homeless crisis. Um, anyway, we decided we'd do a piece on it for the Sunday World. So I remember going to the the charity centre one evening, along with the then Lord Mayor, Christy Burke, who was very much part of the, the charity. And we met with Anthony Flynn there. Um, he gave a bit of a pep talk to the volunteers who had all arrived. And what would happen was, and I went with them in a van, we took a van up to the top of Grafton Street and got out and they had soup and sandwiches with them and toothpaste and deodorants and things like that. And they walked sort of in this particular, they walked up around Camden Street and back down to Grafton Street. And along the way, we met up with the very many homeless people there were living in doorways. Um, Because it was Christmas time, I remember there was lots of people dressed up. Um, You know, the clubs and the pubs were very busy and bustling and lots of people were spending a lot of money and there was this kind of, you know, a lot of the time you go you go through town, you don't see, you don't see it, but we were kind of going down the alleyways out of the view of these club queues for the clubs and finding like people, human beings living, like sitting in some of them in puddles. Um, all of them that I met that night had addiction problems. I mean, a lot of them were foreign guys who'd come to the country um, looking for work, hadn't got work and had found themselves in the homeless system. Um, a lot of people with alcohol problems, I recall Christy Burke actually remarking to me about a few of the people we met that he'd knew, known them for years. Um, we met one girl who was 19. She was living homeless with her brother who was 17. He'd found a a bed for the night. She hadn't, so she was going to stay awake because she was so afraid of life on the streets, anything that could happen. But they were all very grateful of this hot soup and sandwiches. And, you know, it was, I think the idea that people were stopping to talk to them, that people cared about them. They were really people on the very edge of society. 
uh, there was one man, he was from Eastern Europe somewhere, poor English, but he was trying to communicate with me that he wanted his son's name written in the paper. He just wanted to tell him he loved him. He had been, you know, thrown out of the family home many years previous and was living on the streets. So everybody was doing it for free and they were out night after night, hail, rain or snow doing this job. There was a lot of goodness in it and and the volunteers were largely all people from the north inner city. Many of them didn't have much themselves but they were giving their time and whatever they did have and they'd get donations of gloves and scarves and hats and things like that and they'd bring them out and give them around to the people. So it was a really worthwhile thing. Um, And yeah, Anthony Flynn, I remember people talking about him that he was a sort of a hero and uh, a guy who had dedicated his life to this cause, to politics and who they hoped was going to go forward, really, probably to to the doll one day. So if that sets, sets it out, how important a guy he was within that community, maybe. Um, what is the fallout from this and what is likely to happen? So, I mean, what you described there is, you know, the real, the heart of what a charity should be, which is from the ground up, you know. And that's that's why it's so sad, you know, that... that and, you know, maybe Anthony Flynn did care about the homeless and maybe he also had another side to him. That's the complicated bit. These allegations and the, the surrounding, everything that surrounds it, it looks really in danger of bringing inner city, helping the homeless, which is still a very, generated a huge amount of uh, revenue last year in terms of donations, etc. It looks like it's about to really bring it to an end. Um, the Dublin region, Regional Homeless Executive have issued a, issued a statement a couple of weeks ago calling for it to be uh, wound down, uh, for it to be closed in total, um, for, for the controversy surrounding it to be used as a, a way of, of ensuring that all groups like this, the sort of grassroots groups, are subjected to greater regulation. Um, and now a director um, has once has there's been a court hearing in the high court, um, and the director of inner city helping homeless has asked the, the the court to appoint an inspector to investigate the affairs of the charity, and um, to to see if there is a future, uh, if there is a viable future for it, um, you know, and it obviously still the the, the charity has a lot of you know, fans, as you spoke about, uh, degree of properties. But it really looks like the charity and all of that good work, as you described, mostly from volunteers and people who never saw a penny, is really in danger of coming to an end um, as the charity grapples to cope with it, I suppose. I think um, the fact that it is highlighting the absolute vulnerability of the homeless is very important as well because they are a voiceless minority who um, I just happened to be talking to somebody last night, was looking for their views on it. This person would have been homeless and an addict for a period of their lives. And I was just trying to get an idea of just how vulnerable you are. And uh, she said that the power that some of these charities and people who are offering a home or a roof have over you is just immeasurable that when you're that vulnerable, you're that much in need that you're literally desperate for shelter. 
um, you know, you probably are as vulnerable as a child is in a situation with an adult. Absolutely. And the other thing is, like, there's two things to it. Like, first, that if, if people in positions of power in any organisation, and we've seen it again and again, the history of the state in the church, in, in, in the, 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 the state system, if people who are in position of power and are dealing with vulnerable people, sometimes it will attract people that want to abuse that power. That's a fact of life. Um, and that has to be then subject to, to proper regulation and oversight to stop that happening. The second bit is the chronic failure of the of the homeless system or the, the government's homeless system. And the fact that people are repeatedly willing to sleep rough in horrific circumstances rather than go into the hostels or the fact that no account, like let's be realistic, these people are not being offered accommodation or, or, or something that suits them. And that's given rise to a, to this circumstance, I mean, it's, 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 but it's, you know, that people that are vulnerable in society, they need to be, they need the state to properly oversee that they're not being abused. That is a fact. And I think as well, really, just providing a home sometimes for certainly for the homeless people I met and, you know, that we do know from reports that so many of them who are in long-term homelessness are really got have really got mental health issues, addiction problems. So they need more services really than just while obviously we want to provide them with a roof over their heads, they do need to be wrapped around with more services than just than just that. Um, so it's a complex situation. It's a complex situation and a complex situation that really can only be dealt with by proper funding. As you said, I mean, you're talking about a handful of beds for people with addiction problems in this in this state, uh, provided by the government. Again, it's all those a lot of those addiction treatment places are again charities, and uh, you know if you don't if the if there's no uh, long term strategy and investment, um, you know the problem will increase, but it is a, a horrific problem. And finally, Niall, just to go back to Anthony Flynn and the Garda investigation. So there's been four allegations made at this stage and the Garda have taken statements and are investigating. But essentially, they're investigating a dead man. So how long will that continue? What sort of resources are likely to be put into it? You know, or is there... Is there a point? Well, I mean, it's, as you know, like it's the the, the legal system we operate under, like there really uh, does have to be... It's, it's with the intent to prosecute rather than reveal knowledge. And obviously a, a dead person cannot be prosecuted. So whether the Gardaí, the Gardaí obviously continue to investigate these things, but there's obviously um, what's happened now is it's gone to the, to the high courts. There will be some sort of inspector um, uh, appointed. There was also a, a senior counsel appointed by, by David Hall to investigate the, the I suppose it'll be an all-encompassing investigation regarding funding, regarding money, but also regarding these allegations. So there will be some, something will come out of it. But of course, you know, ultimately what what you have happening is the specific allegations against Anthony Flynn will never be brought before a jury. He'll never be tried and convicted or tried and found not guilty. Um, So that part of it is never going to be resolved to the satisfaction probably of anybody, uh, either Anthony Flynn supporters or the victims, the alleged victims. So what you're going to see is this continuing debate that he was never convicted. And obviously the the victims are speaking openly now. But the reality is, you know, something did happen. You'll, You'll know this as well, Nicola, that people always say, well, he wasn't convicted. 
but you know, there is something happened in real time. You know, somewhere along the way, something happened. And we, a conviction is just used as a, as a way in which we can sort of clarify it. But something happened in real time. And, uh, you know, that'll never be, uh, there'll never be a conviction. And that's, that's, so that question maybe will never be adequately answered. There's never smoke without fire. Yes, well, and certainly in this case, you have a, a, a victim speaking out publicly. So it doesn't, it doesn't qualify as, to, to, to suggest it's tittle-tattle or gossip is, is, I think, grossly unfair to the, to the young man who's speaking publicly. Niall Donald, thank you very much. Thanks, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.